Chapter 7 Polly and Bert Unite Bert hadn't killed his parents. Rationally, he understood this. However, he'd wished them dead too often, and it was this that he couldn't quite square with himself. At night, it haunted him, and when he awoke in the morning, his head felt like it had been through a grinder of accusations. Taking a bath or buying a bag of oranges, the same shadow followed him around. Bert was an angry man. He could not forgive his parents for leaving him, and when people told him everything happened for a reason, he hated them also. Was there a good reason for losing both parents? He supposed he should feel grateful. He knew others who lost their parents much younger, or at birth, or worse, had parents that didn't care about them. Oh, yes, he'd seen every angle. It made no difference. Anger, regrets, and ashes piled high. Their death had been too simple. There was no gruesome murder, death by fire, or car crash. One idle Tuesday, Edith and Scooter Fairwald, as a rare treat and in the act of unusual spontaneity, took an absence of leave. Neither could be certain why, as they were both of the generation that prided themselves on their work ethic. They dropped the kids off to school and agreed they would sit about for a bit, maybe sort out the airing cupboard and recategorize the bookshelf. They engaged in these meaningless tasks for most of the morning when it occurred to Edith that the only thing she wanted to do on her day off was to be taken to bed by her husband and promptly told him so, much to her husband's surprise and delight. Between kissing, they remembered how much they loved one another. Edith and Scooter talked about the things that made them happy, truly happy, not the usual direct debits, house prices, and recycling, but how sometimes listening to a song, watching the rain roll down a window, or hearing the other burp filled them with deep joy. They spent the rest of the day in a blissful hue. Even the piles of washing in messy bedrooms seemed to be in the perfect place. Bert had been first out of his class that day. He had been awarded the best prize any self-respecting 13-year-old could ever hope and dream for the Student Most Likely to Go to Space Award, and rewarded a VIP pass to the Science Museum, not something to be sniffed at. He knew not to lose his head. This was seriously big news. Leaving the school building, he briefly surveyed the temporary classroom portacabins beyond which lay that splendidly tempting view of the limes. The playing fields looked especially green and inviting. He debated the merits of walking through the fields versus catching the bus home, deciding the latter would afford him more people to boast about his prize. Catching sight of his mum and dad's car at the school gates made him immediately hostile. They were always ruining things for Bert. Firstly, there was calling him an older man's name at birth, and now this. Why were they not at work? Bert never told Edith and Scooter Fairwald that he'd made student most likely to go to space, though, as doting parents, they would have been so proud. Four years to that day, Scooter died. It was a particularly vicious cancer. Thankfully, he didn't suffer too severely. Had it not been for that day, that walk, a trip over a tree route, a visit to A&E, and the eventual diagnosis, he wouldn't have seen much of the preceding four years. It was unnecessary and cruel that Edith died within weeks of Scooter from a heart attack. Her heart was too weak to recover. Four years later, both his parents had stopped existing and had been reduced to dust and matter.
nothing was the same again. Polly walked quickly back to her flat. She checked the time and wondered if she should return to work, but decided it was too late to go back to the office now. She was relieved. As she neared the flat, she noticed something was a little out of place, or instead, there was something in place that wouldn't usually be there. At her front door was someone dressed for a bad taste party. She upped her pace and, as she got closer, identified the random. It was Bert. She ran towards the door, her mind racing with what to say. She wanted to hug and punch him all at the same time. You sodding git! Where have you been? What the hell's going on? She roared in his face and embraced him in an affectionate headlock. Ah, and there I was hoping you might be lost for words, said Bert, grinning ear to ear. He was relieved she was crossed to see him. She still cared, at least. I am lost for words. I can't believe you're here. It's been ten years. I've been looking for you. Emotions were thick and fast for Polly, who was simultaneously punching and hugging him. Ouch, ouch, cut it out. Where have you been looking for me? Bert muffled from hiding behind his arms. Well, actually, I haven't been looking for you, but I was just about to. But first, I needed to find Donald. Oh, yes, good point. Do you know Donald? You must do, Polly blurted. Look, can we just go inside first before the Inquisition starts? I'd like to have a cup of tea, and I need the toilet. Bert looked uncomfortable. Begrudgingly, Polly let them into the flat. She wondered why he hadn't let himself in. It was, after all, as much his flat as it was hers, and she hadn't changed the locks. After fussing about putting the kettle on and turning it off again, Polly had never quite got into the swing of buying milk, and Bert, dealing with his emergency toilet requirement, they eventually found themselves sitting at the kitchen table. So? Polly looked Bert directly in the eye. She noticed he'd aged a lot, but then again, he was so obviously Bert. Still wearing awful shirts, she thought, eyeing up the spectacular flamingo-covered item. I can tell you like my shirt. It was a bargain, he said. By bargain, I assume you mean that you've been paid to wear it. Anything less and you were ripped off, said Polly, annoyed that he could accurately second-guess her. Right. I need to tell you what's been going on. I'm so sorry, Polly. I I should have come sooner. It was selfish of me. He looked shamefaced. That's okay. Honestly, I was a bit annoyed at first. Maybe I still am a little bit. Still, I understand why you had to leave. You were landed a crappy job having to bring me up. You deserve to have your own life. Jumped in Polly with her much-rehearsed line the one she'd often insisted to friends after several glasses of alcohol. It wasn't just that. I needed to get out there and find a reason, or perhaps a a purpose, for my own life. I lost my way. I was a twenty-something-year-old orphan with no idea what to do or where I was going. I was depressed. For Polly, who was also a twenty-something-year-old orphan, It wasn't a particularly satisfying response. Still, she could at least empathize with him. Did you find it? Asked Polly. Find what? Bert looked distant 
as if he wasn't paying attention. Bert, on this occasion, wasn't paying attention to Polly at all. His mind had drifted, and he was thinking back to that time in the park with Mum and Dad. Mum had tears in her eyes. He had turned to look at Dad, willing him to conjure up a look of reassurance. The look didn't come. Parks are an excellent place to deliver hard news. There's always a handy bench around fitting for a crisis. He heard his mum say, Your dad and I have to talk to you about something, Bert. We need you to be brave. In an unusually soft voice. He didn't like her tone. He only ever knew her loud voice or her laughing voice. Bert had been thinking a lot about a boy in his class at school, Simon. He was obsessed with him and his orange jacket. Bert had been trying to work through his feelings about this boy, so he almost missed his mum say, It so happens that he's a bit ill and, um... Bert gave his mum his full attention instantly, forgetting about Simon. The thing is, my boy, his dad's voice cut in, I'm not well at all. Your mum's upset. I didn't want her to know, but I cannot hide anything from her. She knows me too well. Scooter kissed Edith full on the mouth, which only served to make Bert pull a face and mockingly wretch. We've been talking about my illness. Unfortunately, it's not going to get better. It's terminal. It was incomprehensible to Bert. Your reason or your purpose? Polly interrupted Bert's thoughts, waving her arms in his face and shouting, Are you listening to me? Sorry, Paul. Yes, yes, I'm listening to you. And yes, I did find my purpose. It started shortly after Mum and Dad died, and something a bit strange happened. That's the best way I can describe it. He sat down and pulled his flimsy shirt down to cover his tubby belly. Is it to do with the way Mum and Dad died? I've always wondered what went on there. Polly looked at him suspiciously. No, Polly, they just died as people do. No big mystery, and I'm sorry because I know you've always wanted there to be one, but there isn't anything more to it than that. Polly, in a small and quiet voice, admitted, I know. I wish they hadn't, though. I know. Me too. Perhaps if they hadn't, then I'll... He stopped and seemed to consider what to say. Then things would be different. There's no point thinking like that, though. It did happen, and we have to get on with our lives. Rage engulfed Polly. He certainly had got on with his life, leaving her to fend for herself. After a long pause, Polly regained her calm and said, You were young, and I don't blame you for going, but ten years is a long time not to visit. She looked at him accusingly. Yes, it was too long. But the longer I was away, the easier it got. Then it became practically impossible to come back. I wasn't somewhere it was easy to travel from. Bert looked a bit like a small boy caught experimenting with a box of matches, a mixture of justified annoyance and guilt. Where have you been all this time? I got your letters when you bothered to send them, she added as a jab at him. Then, seeing his face, reverse tactic. Sorry. I mean, you never said where you were. If I told you, you wouldn't believe me, Bert said, not quite looking at her. 
Polly gasped and jumped straight to the most logical thing she could think of. Were you abducted by aliens? What? <laughs> Laughed Bert. No, I wasn't abducted by aliens. Polly felt annoyed. She didn't think it was that far-fetched. To be fair, though, I did marry one, Bert concluded. Oh, okay. Yes, that makes sense, Polly said, and then re-ran what he'd just said in her mind. No, scrap that. That makes no sense. You did what? You married an alien? Yes, said Bert levelly. But you can't have... But... It was all too much for Polly. She got up and started pacing the room, as if there was an explanation to be had if she moved around a lot. I don't think Janet would have liked to have been called an alien. It's a bit... Bert made a face. It's a bit what? Said Polly, looking confused. It's a bit... Racist. Bert whispered the word racist as if the word itself was rude. I am not an alien... Racist? Said Polly, also whispering the word racist. I didn't know there even were... She searched around for a more appropriate name, but couldn't think of one. Aliens? Here yet? Well, I mean, I thought there probably were. It's all the news talks of, but I didn't know. Oh, come on, Polly. Bert rolled his eyes at her. You mean to tell me you've not encountered any overs or read anything about them? Have you been living under a rock? No! She shouted at him. And what are overs for crying out loud? Sounds like something to do with cricket. Overs is a name for people whose origins are from the planet over there. It is also, coincidentally, a set of six balls bowled from one end of a cricket pitch. He explained as if he was talking to a small child of five. Please tell me you've at least heard of over there. That big purple planet thing that got in touch a couple years ago? It was pretty big news, Paul. Polly knew better than to answer that. She knew he was teasing her. There was so much to take in and ask all at the same time. Purple? Over there was purple? Well, that was new information to her, but she wasn't going to give Bert the satisfaction of looking like an idiot. Somehow, he'd managed to make her feel like the one who was in the wrong, as if she was the one that had ran away after their parents died and hadn't been in touch for ten years. She must get better at interrogating him. She hadn't asked him any proper questions yet. She made a small mental note not to become a journalist anytime soon. So, Janet is an over? She finally asked after a prolonged silence. Yes. Well, yes and no replied Bert. That's cleared things up for me, thanks, replied Polly, wondering if Bert would be more or less useful if replaced with a chocolate fire guard. She's dead now, so yes, she wasn't over, but now she isn't anymore. Polly cringed at her tactlessness. I'm so sorry, Bert, I... How did it happen? Polly spluttered. I'd rather not talk about it at the moment, if that's okay. I will but just not now. Polly didn't feel she could question him any further on the matter. Thinking about all the things she could say next that wouldn't sound trite, Bert had wholly withdrawn from the conversation. 
She'd forgotten his talent for becoming untouchable. She needed to know more, but knew he wasn't going to give her much more to go on right now, and he'd put her in a position where she couldn't ask, damn him. What do people do in times of awkwardness, in times of grief? What could she possibly do or say to break the silence? Her mind flickered to the day their mom had died. I'm going down to the shops for some milk, she announced. Then we can have a lovely cup of tea. Bert smiled ruefully and said, Polly put the kettle on. In mock annoyance, Polly frowned at him and, as an afterthought, shouted behind her as she made for the door. Don't you even think about going anywhere. I'll be back in a second.